Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. This year, we've been sharing with you our vision for 2021, connect to God, connect with people, and then find hope. We've shared with you more than once that horizontal connections releases vertical power. When we get connected as a body together, then there's vertical power that's released as on the day of Pentecost. They were all together in one place and that 120 were connected. There was a unity there and not only a vision, but a purpose. And in that moment, there was power that's released and 3000 people were saved. And that's the great thing about it. Lives were transformed. In part one of our series, The Symphonic Sound of Unity, I shared with you three points. The power of place, the right person, the right plan, the right place equals power. Number two, we spoke about one city church symphony. This corporate body is a symphony. And the first step to unlimited possibilities begins with unity. When we step into unity, when every instrument, and that's what you are, an instrument, Every instrument, when it finds its chair and we all begin to play in unity as a symphony, there's unlimited possibilities. And then number three, we spoke about a symphonic sound that that symphony releases, that our unity of praise, uh, prayer and purpose is our greatest weapon. Praise is our, our greatest weapon. Prayer, purpose, unity, that's our greatest weapon. And part two, again, I shared with you three points. The danger of a vacuum, as in Saul's life, there was a vacuum in his life. And so we see through the life of Saul when he would bring David into play for him, that worship keeps God close and distressing spirits at a distance. The greatest remedy for our stress level is worship, prayer, the word, to get along with him. I know that a lot of people are under stress today, and I get that. But the greatest thing you can do when you, that stress begins to get on you is to get away and to get along with him. And worship, it does keep him close and those distressing spirits at a distance. Number two, we, we spoke about your power is in your praise. It was David's ability to worship and shift the atmosphere that brought him before the king. That's where your real power is. I want to get in God's presence. Amen. I want to get in the King's presence. Just realize that your power is in your praise. You begin to praise him. You begin to worship him. And suddenly you'll find yourself in the presence of the King. That's what will carry you there. Number three, we dealt with how to deal with demons. Stones as with David may kill giants, but it takes a harp to defeat demons. We tell the story of David often about him and his slingshot. But his greatest weapon was his harp, and we don't speak on that often. You can kill a giant with a, with a rag and a rock, but it takes a harp to deal with demons. And that's what he did. And that's what makes the difference. So we were discussing in part one and two, the power of praise and worship, the power of unity, the power of purpose, how that, that symphonic sound that comes out of this symphony of a church can knock down walls in our community. So let's go back to our text, 1 Samuel chapter 16. We'll read it quickly, verses 14 through 23. 
and the New King James Version, 1 Samuel 16, verses 14 through 23. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. There was a vacuum. And a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him because nature abhors a vacuum. So they began to flood in. And Saul's servant said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. The atmosphere had shifted and Saul's trouble became their trouble. Okay. So verse 16, let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who's a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirits from God is upon you and you will be made well. Verse 17, Saul said to them, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Verse 18, then one of his servants answered and said, look, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, the Bethlehemite who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, wine, a young goat, and sent them by his son, David, to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. David was a carrier of the presence. David was a carrier of the presence. Now, let's stop and listen to me just for a second. David fell in, excuse me, Saul fell in love with David because of the atmosphere that he created. Saul fell in love with David because he was a carrier of the presence. Listen, when you carry the presence of God, you'll grow in favor with men. People will want to be in your presence. And a lot of times they don't even know why. They won't even understand it always, but they'll just know there's something about you that's different. So when you walk into a place, you can walk into a restaurant, you can walk into a grocery store, you can walk into places, and if you carry the presence and you're conscious of his presence, you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you're always in tune with him, you'll find total strangers just coming up to you, talking to you and asking you things and just, they don't even, they, they don't even know why. They'll begin to pour out their heart to you. They'll just begin to confide in you because there's something on you that they're attracted to. David was loved because of the presence that he carried. Saul felt better in David's presence. Verse 22, then Saul sent to Jesse saying, let your boy stay with me for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well. And notice this, the distressing spirits would then depart from him. Because David was a carrier of the presence. His greatest weapon was a harp. And David was able to fill that vacuum with the presence of God and push those distressing spirits out. We'll title this, of course, The Symphonic Sound of Unity, Part 3. Pray with me, Father, bless the reading of your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that souls are being transformed. Lives are being changed. We thank you, Father, today. Let your anointing flow. Speak through me to your people on campus and online. Father, bring about change. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Distressing spirits. Notice in verse 14, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Three points in that one verse. The spirit of the Lord departed, there was distressing spirits, and they troubled him. I want you to know 
that you're kept by the presence of God. We're living in a time when you need the presence of God on a daily basis, every hour of every day. And you're kept by his presence. It keeps you. The word departed here, and the Hebrew means to turn off. Saul reached a point in his life where he just turned off the spirit of the Lord. He turned off the voice of God. Pride is a damnable thing. Pride will get you in trouble. The Bible says that pride goes before a fall. And it's a very dangerous thing for you and I to turn off the voice of God, to stop listening to him, to take control and to do it our way. The Bible talks about Saul and how that he took charge. He wouldn't wait on the prophet. He wouldn't do what God told him to do when it came to dealing with the enemy. He was always taking charge. He was always taking things out of God's hand. Whenever I take things into my hand, I take it out of God's hand. And when I do that, I turn off his voice. I turn off his spirit. And that's what Saul did. He turned him off. And in these last days, now listen to me. I'm, I'm talking to you because I love you and I care about you. But in these last days, you cannot put him off. You can't do it. You've got to include him in everything that you do. You need to include him in your family. You need to include him in your finances. You need to include him in everything that you do. Your work in everything that you do. You need to partner with him. And he, he, you need to include him in every decision and everything that you do. We're living in critical times. We're living in a different time right now. I'm convinced we're in Matthew 24 in the days of sorrow or the days of birthing as Jesus spoke of. And if there ever was a time when you needed to be sensitive to Holy Spirit, it's now. You and I need to be men and women of the Spirit. We need to walk in the Spirit. That means that every day I, can, I need to listen to the Holy Spirit. I need to be in tune with him. I need to be sensitive to him. I need to acknowledge his presence as the one who walks right beside me, as Jesus said. And I need to seek his counsel on a daily basis. You've got to be careful in these last days. You're kept by the presence of God. God's presence will keep you. It will keep your family. It will keep you. And you've got to be careful in these days. You cannot turn him off where he withdraws his spirit. You know, there's a danger as in the Old Testament when it talks about Ichabod. Ichabod written over the door. That's one of the burdens that I, have, I, I, I carry. I've carried it my entire ministry. I have been so concerned that myself, my leadership, my congregation could do something to grieve the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how many times I've come in this sanctuary, even recently, and I've walked up and down this, this altar air and, have, and I've said, Father, if we've done anything to grieve you, would you please forgive us? I pray over this house. I say, Father, please forgive us if we've done anything. Just the other day, I was up early before daylight and I, I got up to pray and I was praying, Father, if I've done anything in this house to grieve you, if I've allowed anything to come in through television or the internet or printed page or word, deed or action, if there's anything that we've done 
to grieve you. Would you please forgive us? I put the blood over the doorpost of my home. And I, I pray, Father, I declare my home a sanctuary, that you're welcome in this house. I want people to come into my house and say, you know, Pastor, I sense something different in your house. That's what I want. Oh, I feel his anointing this morning, guys. God is trying to talk to somebody. Listen, we've got to be careful that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That's why as your pastor, I plead with you often, please don't gossip in the hallway. Please, if you're mad at me, just come talk to me. But please don't get out in the hallway and grieve Holy Spirit with the words of your mouth. Because I, I want his presence to be in this room. I cherish his presence so much. I want people from the community to walk in here and say, you know, there's something different about this house because that's how people's lives are transformed. Listen, COVID-19 has hit churches hard, including ours. And I know that the key in these last days to rebuilding our church where we want it to be is the presence of the Lord. Listen, people will come for the anointing. People will drive for miles for the anointing. People will drive for miles to be in his presence because people are in trouble and so many churches have turned him off. They've turned off his voice. That's why I said a moment ago, you don't hear the word conviction anymore because we're afraid that it will offend people. Listen, people need to hear the word of the Lord. People are desperate. People are in trouble and we've got to help people. And so we've got to be careful that we don't turn him off. In Romans 13, in Romans 13, it says, to clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Clothe yourself. That's why I said earlier, you need to include him in everything that you do. He was saying, don't, don't think about how to, to, to satisfy the desires of the flesh about what you want and how you feel and what you think. The desires of the flesh, we're always equating that to just like adultery or fornication. But you gotta understand, it's more than that. At like Saul, we're tempted to take charge, to take control, to satisfy what we want, to satisfy how we feel, to satisfy how we think, the desires of this flesh. We have to be careful that we don't walk in the flesh, that we walk in the spirit in these days. That word clothe there in the Greek, it means to sink into a garment. You need to sink back into that presence like, a, like, a, like a, a, a comforter. I've said to you many times that God wants to come into a service like this and just take that comforter of his presence and pull it up to your chin and just kiss you on the head and just let you be in peace and be at rest. Just last night, the family and I, just, we just returned from a vacation in Colorado. We were snow skiing. And that's why my nose looks like Rudolph because I was out at that high altitude and the sun and the wind and the cold. And I was skiing, snow skiing. And at nighttime, I would go into uh, where the grandchildren were and I would tuck them in and I would just, I'd kiss them on the head and I would tell them good night. And that's what Father God wants to do with us. He wants to tuck you in this morning. He wants to pull that comforter up to your chin and kiss you on the forehead and just put you at rest and put you at peace and let you know everything is going to be okay. That's why Paul said here, you need to clothe yourself 
with the Lord Jesus. Do you understand that that's being intentional and deliberate where you put that presence on? You clothe yourself in his presence. It's more than just coming in here and enjoying the service, but you're sinking back deep, deeply into his presence. In these last days, you need to immerse yourself in the presence of God. You're kept by his presence. Number two, you need to guard your mind. You need to guard your mind. The word here in our text, in verse 14, it says, a distressing spirit came after Saul had turned off the Lord's voice. A distressing spirit came. The word distressing here means to spoil. It's the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst. That's why I said earlier, there are times whenever you can um, you can be under stress. We all understand that. There are times when you can pray yourself through something or you can have somebody come into agreement with you. But there are other times when you need apostolic authority to break something off of you. And that's what had happened here with Saul. It was the worst of the worst. Now, we understand his condition. God withdrew his presence and then there was a vacuum that was created. And there were what I'll call mind-binding spirits that came to Saul. Mind-binding spirits. There's theologians that look at the life of Saul and they believe that they, he had what's called a melancholia mania. A melancholia mania. Which means extreme manic depression. That Saul could be extremely high and then he could be extremely low. Melancholia mania, extreme manic depression. There are some that believe he had paranoia schizophrenia, which is a violent emotional outburst of rage. That's why he could go up, he could come down, and then when he would see David, he was jealous of David and he would take and he'd throw spears at him. That paranoia, schizophrenia. He believed that David was out to get him. He believed that David was trying to undermine him and take away his throne. Saul recognized the hand on David's life and, and Saul was uh, jealous of that and he was threatened by that. These distressing spirits came and tormented him. Mind-binding spirits. Philippians 4, 7 reads, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. You need to listen to me. We're talking about we're kept by the presence of God. Don't turn his voice off because when you do, there's a vacuum and distressing spirits can come. Mind-binding spirits can come. And then suddenly you're in the worst of the worst. So there are people like Saul that they're not going through a little stress, but they're being tormented by distressing spirits. There may be that melancholia mania or that paranoid schizophrenia. There's a psychosis there. There's mind-binding spirits and people are being tormented. So you've got to be careful what you turn loose in your mind. You've got to be careful. Think about what you're thinking about. You got to be careful. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Don't let those distressing spirits come and mind-binding spirits that get you in a mindset. A mindset where suddenly you're tormented and you're driven and you're controlled by these thoughts. 
Be careful, be careful what you let loose in your mind. That's why, listen, that's why I tell people all the time, look, you need to be careful what you're listening to. You think that he or she is your best friend, but they are your worst enemy because of the poison that they're releasing into your little soul through the words of their mouth. You're listening to that stuff. You need to think about what you're thinking about and you need to be careful who you're listening to. Listen, some of these girlfriends you've got, you need to cut them off. Them girls that are sitting with you and they're trying to undermine your husband and they're tearing him down and they're undermining your marriage. You think they're helping you, but they're not helping you. Them boys that you run with and play golf with and go fishing with and you're hunting, you're hunting buddies that are feeding you that garbage, that what a real man is, and they're trying to define masculinity to you and how you need to be the man of your house and slap your little lady around. Listen, you need to shut that off. They're not helping you. These men that are pulling you down and telling you why you go to church all the time or why don't you drink a little bit and why are you so rigid and so stiff and why are you so restricted in your lifestyle? Listen, they're not helping you. They're defining masculinity. Real men as men that drink and fornicate and that are, that are ugly to their wife and talk down to their wife. That's not a real man. You need to cut that off. You think that's a friend. That's not a friend. We got to be careful with this stuff. Be careful what you loose in your mind. Think about what you're thinking about. You need to guard your mind. Be careful. Number three, still at one verse. <laughs> I just, Saul departed. He turned off the voice of God vacuum is created and so there's this distressing spirits that come and we're talking about more than just listen there are times when it's more than just stress it's a distressing spirit melancholia mania manic depression paranoid schizophrenia extreme violence outburst of violence there are times when we all can experience stress or a moment of depression. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about distressing spirits, mind-binding spirits. Do we understand there are people that need help? That's why I'm, sometimes I'm so adamant about church is serious. We deal with life and death every day. I never know when I walk in this sanctuary, I never know who comes to them doors. There may be somebody coming through this door that is under this distressing spirit that's on the verge of suicide. Marriage is on the verge of collapsing. We deal with life and death every day. And I feel sometimes the spirits, those distressing spirits, I feel the darkness that's pushing against me. There are times I've told you I've come in this sanctuary and I've had an enemy, a, a strong man to intimidate me and try to get me to back off and say, don't you preach that. You preach that and somebody dies. Come against me and try to beat me back. I feel that at times. Listen, we deal with life and death every Sunday. Gotta be careful. Number three, you gotta filter your thoughts. 
You got, you need to be, you're kept by the presence. You need to guard your mind. Think about what you're thinking about. And then you need to filter out them thoughts. The word troubled, distress, or departed distress. The third word is trouble. The word troubled in the Hebrew there means fear to fall upon and overwhelm. People are overwhelmed by these distressing spirits. Satan appeals to the insecurities of our lives. Personally, I've told you this many times. Personally, personally, he appeals to your insecurities. People watching online, he appeals to your insecurities. The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices and his strategy. Listen, in his little bag of tricks, the enemy doesn't have any new tricks. He used the same old tools today that he used 2,000 years ago. Same old tools. Personally, he'll deal with you. Insecurity. It's not what you are that holds you back. It's what you think you're not. It's not what you are, your abilities, that hold you back. It's what you think you're not. He'll come to you and he'll challenge you. He challenged the Christ. Who do you think you are? By whose authority do you do this? Think about that. And that's a dangerous thing because people's lives are, are, people's lives are not changed when you and I operate that way. The Bible says that Jesus went to Nazareth and he could not do many miracles there. Do you know why? Because they rose up and said, isn't that Joseph's boy? Isn't that Joseph's boy? Listen, people will say, I know your background. Aren't you that illegitimate son? Oh, that's, oh, we know who you are. That's Mary's boy. Oh, we know who you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we know who you are. And because of that, they just, he could not do many miracles. The enemy will try to, to deal with your insecurities personally. And he'll challenge you and say, by whose authority are you doing this? Number two, situational things. There's no hopeless situations. Only men who have grown hopeless about them. He'll try to convince you that God can't do this. And then he'll deal with your relational insecurities. Believe in yourself and others and the relationship will rise to that level. He'll convince you. He'll convince you that, that your relationship with your husband, your relationship with your wife is not going to happen. It's not going to go anywhere. You've got to believe in relationships. You've got to believe in yourself. And then it will rise to that level. And then last of all, spiritual insecurities. We've got to remember that we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. You've got to remember that, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Leave that up on the screen for just a moment. We destroy arguments. We destroy arguments against our, our personal life, our situation, our relationships, and, our, and you and I spiritually in the eyes of God. He's constantly arguing with us. Okay, listen to this statement. You cannot live a victorious life with a defeated mind. You can't do it. That's why he wants to challenge you personally, situationally, relationally, and spiritually. Because he wants you to have a defeated mind so you can't live a victorious life. And then Paul said, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Listen, you will either take your thoughts captive or your thoughts will keep you imprisoned. You will either take your, call, your thoughts captive or your thoughts will keep you imprisoned. So you've got to get over these insecurities personally, situationally, relationally, and spiritually. The four areas of your life, I promise you Satan will fight you. Personally, you're nothing. 
Situationally, God will never intervene. Relationally, people don't like you. And then spiritually, you're nobody and God will never use you. Those four areas you've got to overcome. Those four insecurities that we all deal with. Listen, he doesn't have any new tricks. He doesn't have any new tools. He deals with those four areas constantly, personally, situational, relational, and spiritual. Constantly, you're nobody. Nobody, situationally, you're going to lose your home. And then relationally, your husband, he doesn't love you. Your wife doesn't love you. They're cheating on you. They're going to cheat on you. They're going to run off on you. People in church don't like you. Pastor doesn't care about you. Pastor don't care about you. When was the last time pastor called you? He don't care about you. And then spiritually, you're nobody. God's never going to love you. God's never going to use you. God's, he, the anointing, the anointing can't come over you. Listen, those are four areas where the devil beats up God's people and it makes me so angry. He does it every time. Four areas of our life. He does it all the time. You've got to filter out your thoughts. You can't live a victorious life with a defeated mind. You can't do it. And either you take your thoughts captive and you submit them to Christ or else they will keep you imprisoned. They'll do it. Be careful what you set your mind upon. Be careful. Remember, we're not talking about just a little stress. Had a bad day. We're talking about distressing spirits that want to create a mindset. Personally, I'm nobody. Situationally, God's never going to do it. Relationally, people don't love me. People won't accept me. And then spiritually, God can't use me. The spirit of prophecy, I could never prophesy. That's where the enemy works. That's how he works. Be careful what you set your mind on. Stephen, come help me. Be careful. You got to watch this. You got to be careful with this. Verse 14 talked about Saul created a vacuum in his life because he quit listening to God. And into that vacuum came a distressing spirit. And there was a mindset that came over him. Depression, violent outburst of anger to where even his employees said, whew, the trouble that's on him is now becoming our trouble. We got to fix this. They didn't look for a man with a sword, a spear, or a slingshot. They looked for a man with a harp. Because you kill giants with slingshots, you deal with demons with harps. And David would come in that room as a carrier of the presence, and Saul fell in love with him. And he began to play. And as he played, and the presence of God came into that room, the distressing spirits began to leave. Listen to me. You're kept by the presence of God. And these last days, you need his presence more than ever. The Bible said, thank you, sis. The Bible says to clothe yourself with Christ. What that means 
it says in the Greek that you immerse yourself in God's presence. You come in here on a Sunday morning and you immerse yourself in his presence. That's what that means. He comes in here and just wraps that glory around you. And in that moment, everything feels okay. Everything's all right. I just thinking about it, my granddaughters, they have special blankets. Special blankets. My grandson, when he was little, he had a special blanket. And they would sleep with them blankets. And they take them blankets and they just they just wrap it around them. There are people in this room, people watching online. You need to immerse yourself in God's presence. You're kept by his presence. You're kept by it. You need to guard your mind. And you need to filter out your thoughts. This is how we overcome. And then the Bible went on to say that in that moment that Saul was refreshed and he was made well. Second Timothy chapter two, Paul said this will cause them to rediscover themselves. Notice that. And escape from the snare of Satan who caught them in his trap so that they would carry out his purpose. There are people here this morning that you fell into the snare of the enemy personally, situationally, relationally, spiritually. And God wants to set you free so you can rediscover who you are in Christ Jesus. This is who I am. I preached there for 14 years. I guess maybe that's been my central message to discover who you are in Christ Jesus as a son, a daughter of God, to rediscover who you are. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you to do you good, to bless you, to use you, not to harm you. I'm not the angry God that you think I am. I'm a loving father. I know the plans that I have for you. And so it begs the question, what does God know about you that you don't? What does God know about your future that you don't? I know the plans I have for you. That makes me want to get close to him. <laughs> Sit in his lap like a, a, like a son does a father. Or maybe as a grandson does a grandfather because grandfathers are softer touch. And get up close to him. And say, tell me what you know about me that I don't. Tell me. 
tell me the plans that you have for me so I can rediscover who I am and get free of the snare of the enemy. Hmm. In verse 23, which concludes this series, it is written, so it was, and so it was, and so it was. How many needs that moment today? And so it was in this moment. Whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. The word refreshed there in the Hebrew means to have room to breathe freely. to be able to breathe again because of that brief moment in God's presence all the pressure the trouble the torment departed from him and the word well there in the Hebrew means to be better to be pleasant and beneficial not only to yourself but to those around you when Saul found relief, so did his employees. Think about that. So, there are those watching online and those in the room that you can't breathe and neither, neither can those around you. Because when you're troubled by a distressing spirit, so are those around you. People don't quit on you. They leave the atmosphere you create. And we either drive off distressing spirits or we run off good people. We have to remember that. They don't leave you. They leave the atmosphere you bring. I say that in love because I care about you. And if you're here this morning, you're watching online, and this has gone beyond just stress, it's gone into distressing spirits, and you're troubled. Remember, we talked about the worst of the worst. You're troubled that I want you to know that God is here, your Father, and He wants to set you free. Our greatest weapon, it's not a sword or a shield or a spear, it's not a slingshot. Our greatest instrument is a harp. We worship Him. People are refreshed can breathe again they're made well made whole yeah the symphonic sound of unity why don't you stand with me I want you to listen to the words of this song. I, I want you to realize that standing here this morning, as we worship Him, 
He's all around us. And he wants to take the comforter of his presence. He wants to wrap it around you. So that you and I, like a little boy or a little girl, perhaps when you were little, you had a special blanket. And when you'd go to bed at night, that blanket gave you a sense of security and comfort. It smelled like home. It felt good. And you could just immerse yourself in it and fall back into it and sleep in peace. That's what God wants to do for you this morning with His presence. Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.